I started my blog, INFJ Woman, and my Instagram account in December of 2018. I had been through a few really tough years, and finding my personality type really helped me a lot. I started my blog and my Instagram because I wanted to share everything that I'd learned. I thought that maybe I could help at least one person. From the beginning, we've been talking about creating a community specifically for INFJs. And I'll be honest, I've tried and I feel like I've failed a few times. I've tried a few different platforms. Some of them were really complicated to use. Some of them were really expensive, but none of them were right. But the desire for this community never stopped. So many people mention it to me on social media all of the time. I knew that I had to keep looking. I had to keep trying. So recently I made some improvements to my website and while I was doing that, I discovered that I could add a members area with a forum and groups to my website really pretty easily. And these groups have been updated so well that they look a lot like Facebook groups and they function pretty much the same way too, but you don't have to deal with all the issues of Facebook. When I saw it, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I've been looking for. <laughs> this is what we need. This is what we've been talking about and what we've wanted for so long. So I'm really, really happy to finally tell you that I found a solution and I know it's gonna work. I've created a community that's specifically for INFJs. It's a place for INFJs to share our ideas and experiences and to come together and support each other in a way that only INFJs can. I truly believe that you're gonna find some of your best friends in this community. I've found some of my best friends through my blog and through my Instagram account. So I know this to be true from personal experience. Having INFJs as friends is a whole different experience than having other personality types as friends. They just get you. It's that connection that you've been looking for. It's that understanding that you're looking for. So the best part of the INFJ community is that it's free and it always will be. Head over to infjwoman.com slash INFJ community to join the conversation today. I believe the biggest problem in the world is that people don't understand themselves enough. This show is designed to help you understand your INFJ personality, heal from your past, and create a life that you love. I'm Sarah Kuhn, and this is The Quiet Ones Podcast. So today we're going to talk about being highly sensitive. First, let's start with what highly sensitive means. A psychologist in 1991, her name was Dr. Elaine Aaron. She coined the term highly sensitive person when she discovered that many people have a more sensitive nervous system than other people. It's important to remember that being highly sensitive is not something that needs to be fixed. It's kind of like being an introvert rather than an extrovert. It's the way that you are. You were born that way. There's nothing that needs to be fixed or corrected. It's just how you view the world and how you take in information through your sensitive or through your senses. You're more sensitive than other people and there's nothing wrong with that. It's totally fine. It does affect your life in different ways though. So it's important to understand how it affects you and to develop some strategies to work through those things. So we're gonna talk about some of those things today as well. So let's look at what it means to be highly sensitive in your daily life. 
first of all, it means that you feel things a lot more deeply than people who aren't highly sensitive. You feel emotions very intensely. So when you're hurt, it feels like the end of the world. And sometimes it can cause actual physical pain when you're emotionally hurt. We experience a lot of stress and anxiety when we're asked to do too much in a short amount of time. For us as INFJs, that could be even just changing our plans for the evening or for the week. Um, if we're not given enough time to plan and plan for the processing as well, not just for the activities that we're doing. For me, I'm definitely highly sensitive and it takes me a while to think about um, what's coming up for me. So like if I'm going out to a restaurant with my friends, I like to have a week's notice if possible, especially if it's gonna be a loud place. Um, and there's a lot of things that go with that, like um, driving downtown for me because there's tons of traffic and finding a parking spot and then preparing myself to be around a bunch of people. Um, all of those things can be overstimulating for me. Um, so if something happens at the last minute that that changes, or if somebody calls me and says, hey, I wanna go out to dinner tonight, then that is a little bit stressful for me. Um, something else is being so sensitive that you're easily moved to tears. Um, being deeply moved by art, music, or beauty. A big one for me is loud noises, bright lights, or even um, fabric that's uncomfortable. <laughs> there, are, there are certain types of things that I just can't handle. One of those things is wearing socks. I hate wearing socks. I especially hate wearing them at night. Um, I don't know, it must just be being highly sensitive, but it's like, I almost can't sleep if I have to wear socks at night. And it kind of causes a big problem for me because I have dry feet. And so the best way to cure that is by wearing socks at night and putting lotion on your feet. And I just can't do it because it's like, it causes me to not be able to sleep. <laughs> so I don't do it. Um, loud noises are really bad. I can hear not only loud noises, but I can hear soft noises that a lot of people can't hear, like a clock ticking. Um, it, and it's like one of the regular, the old style clocks that actually tick. I can't have one of those in my house because it doesn't matter if I'm listening to music or a podcast or if the TV's on, I can still hear the clock ticking and it just grinds at my nerves. Um, I have a, an air conditioner in my house now that, I don't know exactly what you call it. I think it might be called a mini split. So it's like this thing that sits on top of the wall. It's like hanging on, on top of the wall. And so it's an air conditioner and a heater. But at certain times it clicks. And I don't know why it does it, but it's like almost like um, a clock ticking but it goes faster depending on the speed of the fan. And I have to turn it off 
because I'd rather be too hot or too cold than listen to that noise. And those are the types of noises that a lot of people don't hear. But because I'm highly sensitive, it's one of the things that I just can't get past or get around. Um, bright lights are really big. That's a really big thing too, especially um, if there's a lot of them. I love to go to concerts, but that's a whole overwhelming experience um, for my senses. And so every time I do go to a concert, you know, you have the, you have the bright lights, you have, there's usually smoke and um, I don't know if they call them fireworks when they're inside a building, I guess you would call it pyrotechnics. So there's loud noises. The music is always insanely loud because I like to sit up front. <laughs> and so I usually get stuck in front of one of the speakers. Um, and then there's just being in a, in a space with a lot of people. So there's a lot of different conversations all around me and there's a lot of different feelings and emotions that I'm picking up from all the people around me. And all of that is just really overwhelming. So every time I go to a concert, I schedule my time. So I have a couple of days beforehand where I don't have anything to do to get ready for it. And then I have a couple of days afterwards to decompress from it. Um, another trait of highly sensitive people is that we're very empathetic. Um, that goes with feeling things very deeply. We not only feel our own feelings very deeply, but we feel other people's feelings very deeply. And we also have a really rich inner life and imagination, which is another one of those things that overlaps with being an INFJ. So a lot of people ask me, are all INFJs highly sensitive? And to be quite honest, I don't know. I haven't seen any statistics. I haven't seen any solid statistics, I guess I would say. I did a couple of small quizzes. Um, I posted one on my Instagram account and I posted one in my Facebook group for INFJs. And the one in the Facebook group came back 100% highly sensitive. And there's probably 1,500 people in the group. I'm, I'm not certain. There probably wasn't 1,500 responses. Um, but on Instagram, it came back like 90% highly sensitive. I always leave room for error on Instagram. Um, and I probably should on Facebook too, because there's a lot of people who want to be INFJs who aren't. And so they, you don't know when you're, when you're posting a poll on Instagram, I don't know how many of those people are actually INFJs and how many aren't. Um, there's also a lot of people who are mistyped. And I'll be honest, I was mistyped for the first couple of years um, after I learned about personality types. So there's that. There's also, this theory that's going around that you should type people based on functions rather than preferences. So I know that there are a lot of people who type themselves with functions who are mistyped because that's a lot more complicated than typing yourself with preferences. Preferences is actually what Myers-Briggs uses. It's the letters INFJ, those are preferences. So as long as you've typed yourself through those preferences, um, and then gone through the, the description of what it means to be an INFJ, then you should be good 
to know that you're an INFJ. Um, but as far as me doing quizzes on Instagram and Facebook, <laughs> I don't know if everybody's actually INFJ. But either way, it seems like a large majority of INFJs are highly sensitive. So the next question really has to be, how do you cope with this? How do you deal with this in your daily life? Because it's a lot to deal with. I think the first feeling that I had when I read about highly sensitive people was relief. Because kind of like when I found out that I was an INFJ, it was this really big relief. I thought that I was just different than everybody else. I mean, I knew that I was different. I thought that I was really weird and strange and, and almost like there was something that was massively wrong with me. And I felt weird. Like, you know, I wasn't okay and I didn't know how to be okay. So then once I read this description, then it gave me this, this um, idea that there are other people out there like me. And even though we're different, that doesn't make us weird or strange or, um, you know, almost like aliens. <laughs> it just means that we're different from other people and it's totally fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. And that, that right there just made me feel so much better. So the next thing that's incredibly important is to know your limits. Once you learn that you're highly sensitive, then you have to think about all the ways that you are sensitive. Now this work for us as INFJs can be a little bit difficult because we're not really good at looking at ourselves. We're a lot better at looking at, at other people. But I look at the areas in my life where I feel stressed out and overwhelmed. And as much as I love going to things like concerts and out to eat and stuff, I realized that that made me feel overwhelmed at the same time. So it could be things that you like to do or things that you do regularly, but you just feel drained afterwards and you feel nervous going and stressed out going, but then you push yourself to go and then you feel drained afterwards. Um, <laughs> I feel that way with a lot of um, vacations that I go on too. I felt that way in several different jobs that I've had as well. So it can be a wide range of things. It can even be things like eating spicy food or um, some people have a sensitivity to carbonation in drinks. Um, it really just depends. And it's different for everybody. It isn't like there's one set of, of things that you're sensitive to. Um, it, it can be different for anybody. So knowing your limits is a big thing and then setting boundaries for those things. So maybe you limit the amount of time that you spend in a restaurant or at a party. Um, maybe you limit the amount of time that you spend if you're in a downtown area where there's lots of lights and, and things like that and lots of noise, lots of people, lots of things that are just constantly bombarding your, sen your senses. Maybe you limit the amount of time that you go there. It doesn't mean that you have to stop doing those things, right? I'm not gonna stop going to concerts just because they're completely overwhelming, but I do limit the amount of time that I go. And then I also set days before and after to recover. Um, so whatever boundaries that you need, it's important to think about what makes those things better when you're overstimulated, when you need to decompress.
The next thing is to communicate your needs to others. This one is really difficult for me because, you know, when my friends invite me out to eat, I definitely want to go with them. I don't want to miss out. Um, and a lot of times we end up spending three or four hours because we only get together every once in a while. So it's difficult for me to say, hey, I, I wanna go out, but I can only spend two hours or I can only spend three hours. But I've realized that once I've communicated that to people, then I feel a lot better going out. I don't feel so much anxiety. And then I can leave before I get to the point where I'm just completely fried from all of the overstimulation. So it's important to communicate your needs. It's also important that you spend time with the right types of people. If you tell your friends, you know, that you have these limits and they don't care, those aren't your people. I have a couple of friends who are still good friends and I care about them a lot, but I limit the amount of time that I spend with them in a different way. They don't understand the highly sensitive thing. They don't understand the personality type thing. And that's okay. They don't have to understand. But I make sure that I don't ride in the same car with them going places. I make sure that I'm not tied to them uh, when we get together. So that if I need to bow out after two or three hours, then I can do that. And I don't have to wait for them. Or, you know, I don't have to convince them to leave when they don't want to leave. They want to be there, you know, all night. So communicating your needs and figuring out what works for you is incredibly important. The next thing is to choose your environment really carefully. I think about this in terms of your living environment. As a highly sensitive person living in an apartment for me is kind of like torture. It's really bad because you can only control so much, right? You can't control people coming home at three o'clock in the morning and slamming the doors. You can't control people who live right next to you having loud fights all hours of the day and night. You can't control people watching baseball or football games and throwing parties where they're making a bunch of noise. All of these things are things that I've experienced, right? And I've also complained to landlords about noise and nobody seems to care or do anything about it. So when I think about controlling my environment, the best thing for me would be not to live in an apartment. Um, I've thought too about obviously where I live, um, the cost of living is completely outrageous and renting an apartment is insanely expensive. So I thought in the past, just to get the cost of my rent down, I could share an apartment with somebody else. After doing that twice, I realized that was the worst possible thing for me. <laughs> I thought I could handle it because I grew up in a house where there was about 10 people for most of my life. But it's easy once you've moved out of that house to forget about all the day-to-day -day stresses that you dealt with. And there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of stress. One of the biggest um, things that really, really gets to me is people not thinking about other people. And that applies to so many things. 
from using all the hot water to being in the bathroom for too long to not doing the dishes to leaving the house a mess. I mean, there's just so many things. So I realized that having a roommate was not the best living environment for me and that it was just better for me to pay the higher rent because I didn't want to deal with the stress every single day. It's better for me just to, to deal with not having as much money, I guess. Um, so you have to think about your living environment. Um, think about things like how loud the TV is. That was one of the things that bothered me a lot. Uh, my parents and my siblings always had the TV really loud. And when there's a bunch of people around and people talking and we had this house where um, the living room and the family room didn't really have a wall between them. And so a lot of times you would hear two TVs and plus you would hear people talking. And so both of the TVs would be really loud, right? Now that I have my own place, I keep the TV at a low volume, just enough to where I can hear it. And then it's not so overwhelming for me. Um, so all those types of things in your living environment. Um, another thing could be cold weather versus hot, we hot weather versus humidity. Um, even, you know, considering the weather when you're moving somewhere, a lot of us, we think that we're fine with the weather that we grew up with because it's just what we know. But if you have the opportunity to visit a different place and experience different weather, then you might find that you like it being hotter or colder or more mild um, than where you came from. One of the things that bothers me a lot is wind. It bothers me, well, just in general, because I don't like my hair in my face. That's one of the things that like my hair tickling my face is, <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. Um, but where I grew up, oh, and then it also bothers me because I have asthma and wind is one of the things that, that can trigger an asthma attack. And um, so where I grew up in the Midwest, we had wind all the time. It was constant, like 60 mile per hour winds was not an abnormal or weird thing. It just happened like all the time. Um, when I moved to North Carolina, I lived there for about six years. It was very rare that we had wind. And some days I felt weird. Like I didn't realize that something was missing. I knew that, that something was missing, but I couldn't like pinpoint what it was. And then every once in a while we'd, we would have a windy day and I was like, oh, that's what it is. I was used to this like, you know, almost tornado force winds <laughs> all the time. And then we didn't have wind. And then when I moved to Massachusetts, we have wind here a lot and it's like as bad or worse than what it was in Kansas. So, and I think too, it's gotten to bother me a lot more as I've gotten older, just more sensitive to it, or maybe it's just colder and maybe that's part of it. Um, but those types of things you have to think about, you know, your environment, everything from the weather to your house to who you live with, who you live around. Um, and then the area that you live in too. I grew up way out in the middle of nowhere. So you didn't hear anything <laughs> really. And now I live, um, 
I think they call it the suburbs here because I don't live in downtown Boston. But to me, it feels like living in the middle of the city because, you know, from based on where I grew up, <laughs> it is living in the middle of the city. Um, so there's a lot of noise. When my mom came to visit me, she's come a couple of times and um, she always comments on how much traffic noise there is and how much you hear like police and fire trucks and things. And it is quite a bit. It is a lot, especially she lives out in the middle of nowhere. So um, it's a lot, a lot to deal with. Okay, so the next thing that you have to do is learn how to compartmentalize things. Now, I don't mean repress things. I don't mean not talk about things. But what I mean is that sometimes you can't process every single thing in the moment that you're feeling it. Especially if you're having a really intense experience, like at a concert, you know, where there's a lot of people and there's a lot of noise, um, loud music, there's um, typically the concerts that I go to, there's like a screen behind the performers that has, um, there's, you know, a lot of lights and everything. So I have realized that I can't process everything in that moment. And it's okay for me to feel overwhelmed. I know that I can experience that and then process it later. Um, so I kind of compartmentalize everything in the moment and just try to be present as much as I can and try to get out of my head and not focus on all of the anxiety and the overwhelm that I'm feeling and save all of that for later. <laughs> Almost. That's really the only way that I can experience those types of things. Um, that I can experience being overwhelmed like that. And it helps a lot to try to stay present in the moment rather than to think about how overwhelmed you are because there really isn't much that you can do about it in that moment. And then the last thing is to establish good habits in your life. It's important to remember that you are responsible for yourself and that you are responsible for your life. You can explain to the people around you about your personality. You can explain to them about you being highly sensitive, but they can only understand to their level of understanding. So if they're not an introvert, they're not going to understand you being an introvert. You don't understand what it's like to be an extrovert. So how could they understand what it's like to be an introvert? You can only understand based on your level of imagination and Maybe there was a time one time where you spent time around two or three people and you felt a little bit of energy from that conversation. And so you can kind of say, okay, maybe I can extrapolate that experience and say, this must be how you feel all the time. But you can't fully understand. And the same goes with them. It's that they can't fully understand the position that you're in. If they can't hear a clock ticking, they don't know what it feels like to have that clock grating on their nerves. Some people are going to be more understanding and more empathetic than others, but you can't force them into that situation. So ultimately, you are the one who's responsible for your life. And if there's something that's making you even more sensitive, then it's your responsibility to fix it. And there are some things that make us more sensitive. The main thing for me is being tired. When I'm tired, I 
annoy myself with how grumpy I am and how everything annoys me and irritates me. And I just want to jump down people's throats and yell at them about everything. So I know that it's important for me as a person to go to bed at the same time every single day, even on the weekends and get up at the same time every single day. When I do that, it makes me feel a lot better as a person. And it makes me able to handle all of the things that I'm sensitive about a lot easier. Another thing is eating good food. You don't really realize how much of your mood is regulated by the food that you eat. Most people tell you that it comes from supplements and it comes from you know other outside things. And that's true. Your hormones do affect your mood you know, going to bed does affect your mood, but eating good food affects your mood just as much. So if you feel extra sensitive a lot, or you feel like you have a lot of anxiety or you're more grumpy a lot, I would take a good look at what you eat. There's been a few days this past week where I felt really bad. I felt like maybe I was diving into another depressive episode and I didn't want to feel like that. I just wanted to stay in bed or stay on the couch and not do anything at all. And then I realized that I have this one supplement that's called reishi mushrooms that every time I take it, it helps me feel better right away. And it helps me feel a lot better. So against everything that I felt, (laughs) I got up and I made myself a protein shake and I put some of that in there and it made me feel better, way better, really quickly. So I started thinking about all the other things that I eat and I wondered if maybe changing my diet in a very wholesale type of way um, would help. So that's definitely something that I'm going to be looking at and exploring Uh, because there's a lot of room for improvement in my diet. Um, The next thing is to journal your feelings. A lot of times we get stuck with all these feelings in our head and they just kind of swirl around in there. And the best way to get them out is to start writing about them, especially if you don't have somebody that you can talk to. A lot of times for INFJs, we don't really... We're not able to form our opinions or um, to even figure out how we feel about things unless we're able to talk to somebody. And a lot of us, me included, don't really have anybody to talk to about big, important things. A great way to go about sorting out all of your feelings is to write them down. It's the same thing as talking to somebody else. It will help you figure out all of your feelings and get them out of your head so that you don't have to be worried and anxious about whatever it is that you're thinking about. The last thing that's also incredibly important is to spend some time doing things that engage your senses. Something that works with your hands, something maybe making food because you're going to work with your hands while doing that and then you're gonna taste it. And it may even be something that you're going to touch. I love making bread because that includes a lot of them. Everything except for hearing, right? Because you have to touch the bread when you're kneading it. And you can see it, especially if you're working with like yeast and you can see it rising. 
you can smell it. Bread is one of the things that to me, it smells the best. And then you get to taste it as well. Right. So you get four of your senses in just doing one thing. Um, and then also hearing as well. One of the best things that, that I do is listen to music. Listening to music is a great way to lift your mood and it will also get you out of your head and get you focused on something else, something other than, you know, all the things that are swirling around in your head. Okay, so that's what I have about highly sensitive INFJs. There's a couple of things in the show notes that I wanted to make you aware of. There is a, a link for the test to see if you're highly sensitive. Um, you can find that on Dr. Elaine Aaron's uh, website, but I've put a link for it in the show notes. There's also a link to a workbook for this episode um, that's in the show notes. You can find it at infjwoman.com slash 120. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate every single one of you. Please make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already and leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps other people to be able to find us. Thanks again for listening and I will see you again next week.